passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are live. I've missed those words. Back here in the post-wrestling post office. Correct. Oh, The officially christened post office. Yeah. Welcome back, Way. Thank you, thank you. It Welcome back nice. to the cafe hangout. It has been uh, it has been quiet for the I've, last few weeks. I have really missed it. I mean, we actually kind of talked about plans, or at least I had intended on doing some of these cafe hangouts from Hawaii. Yeah, and I told you you were out of your mind. Yeah, um, like knowing some of the internet situations I, I ended up running into, it, it was very smart that you talked me out of that. Uh, but you know what? Uh, instead, you provided some in- incredible coverage on this site in place of the cafe hangout. But I'm glad that we are back. I really did. I did a really phenomenal <laughs> job. You really did. <laughs> but it's great to have way back. So now we are at full pe- pe- strength. People can see my tan for the first time. You, you have a really that? nice tan going. Ooh, I was going to remark, way like you look like a man that's just got back from Hawaii. Look at those arms. I, like I, that is. I look like a real person now. Yeah, not my I usual mean, pale self. Yeah, not like me, pale freak <laughs> let's let's, we'll, we'll tan on the beaches of uh, the jersey shore yeah at the hilton uh do they yeah. maybe have a, a tanning booth sure there's a pool somewhere so with the return of the cafe hangout uh momentarily we're going to be joined by the man of a million roles in the pro wrestling media community nate milton will be joining us the king of sport himself uh we'll also be taking your phone calls 732-800-4423, or you can dial up post wrestling on skype we'll be dedicating some time to your calls we also will be bringing back of one-time-only unboxing. Way has gotten some mail that he's going to share with all of you, so that is going to come up, and we will go through the latest news and headlines that are happening in and around mixed martial arts and professional wrestling. But without further ado, we welcome back. He is one half of the Kings of Sport with... uh, It it is the birthday week, actually, of one Marcus Vanderberg, but today it is his uh, co-host joining us, brother Nate Milton, who is with us on the program. Nate, how are you? Aloha, my brothers. I I am doing well. Well, Nate, uh, we have lots that we wanted to uh, chat with you about. We are uh, 10 days out from WrestleMania. It is going to be another marathon show. Uh, Mm. Have you cleared out your weekend for uh, WrestleMania weekend viewing? What is going to be on the menu for that weekend in terms of stuff that you will be catching? I mean, this is a crazy time of year for anybody that not only follows wrestling, but other sports because, you know, we've got the March Madness heading towards its conclusion. Never Today's heard of the it. opening day of uh, baseball, and I'm surprised you guys are here instead of at the Jays game. Oh, wait, uh, we would much rather be talking to you, Nate, than uh, watching the Blue Jays enter what is going to be a horrific season for them that uh, – I saw some quote that they are approaching this season as the underdogs. It's like, well, no kidding. You're coming in as underdogs because nobody is tabbing <laughs> you for any success in this rebuilding effort. So uh, way bigger priorities uh, discussing hey, anything, things anything with Nate Milton. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll be the 
Kofi Kingston's of the American League East? Uh, we will, we will, can only find out if it will be a new day for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and the, the Blue Jays. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, you know, assess this this buildup for, for WrestleMania because we're going to get into the, the Kofi Kingston discussion. I know you have shared a lot of thoughts on it as well. And let, let's start there, actually. This is obviously was not the intended plan for Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. And this is something that we can trace to Mustafa Ali's injury and really seizing upon something that, I mean, Kofi Kingston really finds himself in a spot that I, I can't even tell you, Nate, where this guy would have been on the card had that injury not occurred and this this momentum kind of lifted him into a fairly prominent spot at WrestleMania this year. This has been fascinating for me, guys, and I think women's match aside, this has probably been the build with the most interest and anticipation for me. Because not only do you have a compelling story with a guy like Kofi Kingston, but it's been a look at the company kind of doing things on the fly. And how do you adjust when option A goes out the window and option B goes out the window and you got people getting injured? How does the company catch up in storyline? And and I think all things considered, they've done a good job. It hadn't been perfect. There's been flaws. But considering that this is something they didn't expect, something that is kind of organic, uh, I think they've done a good job telling the story. It's hard to contrast to the program that never was, that was expected with Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens. So it's hard to really compare like which would have been better. But I I feel that this, this match feels be- bigger for Daniel Bryan's WrestleMania program than the alternative. Like this has a genuine uh, baby face that the audience is behind that has been, you know, I, I think that the, I, I wasn't a biggest, uh, the biggest fan of kind of the structure of, like the series of gauntlet matches, but that moment at the end of SmackDown this week, this week, I thought was a really strong ending to get Kofi in there. And the audience reacted as though it was a big deal for WrestleMania. And I think while I don't think it's the number one program going into WrestleMania, it's in the upper echelon. Yeah, I think the women's program is probably still number one, but this in terms of interest has surpassed Brock and Seth for me, you know, it's, it's passed that in the dust. And I think going back to that moment on SmackDown, the, the close of SmackDown, as well as the moment where the Usos forfeited, I was like, there's some really good storytelling here. And I don't know who's writing this. I don't know how much input the new day themselves had in this, but it's, it's been a really well told, told story, including like some of the racial elements, which they hit, but not too hard. It's been very nuanced and restrained, which are two words I don't think people usually associate with pro wrestling storytelling. So I wanted to go into that, that if you are following this program strictly week to week on television, I don't know how much people may be focused on those particular elements. Certainly, if you were watching, I I think it really climaxed with the Big E promo last week after television and referring to people like us, where... I, th- I think it was not subtle at all. Like they were, they were certainly uh, pushing that button. How much of this d- have you seen as a story that has underlying uh, a racial component to it and how much that is necessarily being pushed uh, from the company versus the new day working in um, kind of this, this sidebar issue that has a much larger and kind of broad message that a lot of people have certainly clued in on. The best stories in wrestling, you know, the old cliche is, you know, when you take reality and you turn it up to 11. And I think this is a story that has deep roots in, in terms of 
fans' perception of the company as well as performers over the years. You know, the WWE doesn't have the best track record when it comes to portraying characters who are not white guys. And, you know, full disclosure, even the white guys, their, their, their track record has been spotty at best at times when it comes to portraying compelling characters. And so when you have something like this, I if you had told me beforehand that Kofi Kingston is going to be in this storyline and the WWE is going to touch on elements of race, are you in for it? I would say absolutely not because they have not showed me that they can be careful with this type of thing. But with this, when you've got Vince McMahon, you know, calling Xavier and Big E young bucks, which probably flew over the head of a lot of fans. But if you are somebody that's black or somebody of a certain age, that terminology as a derogatory term for black men hits home. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or when you tie, have, have Byron Saxton, who has been doing some of the best work of his career in this feud, talk about Kofi having to work twice as hard to get half as much. It's like, I, I really like how they've told this story, but it's been told on a couple different levels. Like, if you just want to look at this as a mid-card guy finally getting a shot after 11 years, you can take the story as that and enjoy it just as much as anybody else. But if you are somebody who the deeper story resonates with, then you get an extra layer of kind of engrossment and investment in it. So, again, I, I don't know who's doing it because uh, Kazim's not with the company anymore, so I don't know who's been writing this, but I I give them credit for being able to talk about race without being so over the head and, 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 and volitious, so to speak with, with race. So much of, I think what you're describing, Nate seems way too nuanced for what we're used to uh, Mm. coming from the WWE and Vince McMahon in particular. So, I mean, if you had to take a guess uh, as to, you know, who might be responsible for it, how much do you think is left up to Vince McMahon and maybe his writers? And how much is it up to the performers? That's a great question, Way. Uh, I would give probably the lion's share of the credit to the performers, not only the New Day, but also Daniel Bryan, who like he hadn't gone full Triple H here, uh, you know, going back to that Triple H Booker T feud. Yeah. But. By saying like the B plus player and, and using the same script that they used against him on his road to WrestleMania, like I love Daniel Bryan in this feud. Uh, but but in terms of who I would give the credit to, I'd say the New Day, Daniel. Uh, I don't know who's back behind the scenes. Maybe Road Dog is in on this. But and I think John brought up a good point earlier. What the New Day has done outside of the body of SmackDown proper in terms of going online and, and Big E's video, which I thought was was really well done. And, you know, some of the stuff after the show where the guys are talking about quitting, uh, like it it shows care, people who care about their characters and people who care and are invested in the stories they're trying to tell. Yeah, and I, and I think that's where they are certainly able to get away with blurring the line if they are on their own kind of introducing kind of a, a racial inequality perspective to this story that – we have the the tried and true WWE story of the aspiring babyface that is held down and has to, as they say, uh, climb the mountain, but then you can't reach the top of the mountain. And that can be kind of exploited into something much, uh, a much larger uh, view of that racial inequality that people can certainly read more into this with the WWE kind of, you know, it's uh, somewhat divorced from 
any larger themes if you're just simply watching this as a the latest babyface uh, being held down. So I think it's been very interesting to watch uh, what elements uh, have been introduced here and be, be very curious of kind of the, the New Day's own uh, personal touches on this to certainly hit that button that a lot of people have resonated with. Even something as simple as Kofi and his demeanor through this whole thing, because I know I've heard some people, and I might, might, you guys might have had this discussion on uh, one of the reviews in terms of why Kofi isn't more demonstrative. Why isn't Kofi fighting back more like a Becky Lynch? And I think it's two reasons for that. One is we've already got Becky and to some extent Charlotte and Ronda kind of doing the fight the authority thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it might feel redundant, but also Kofi having to suffer these indignities and, you know, he speaks his mind. He had that great promo against Vince a couple of weeks ago, but having to speak your mind without coming off as the angry black guy, I think is a situation a lot of folks have to deal with in their, in their own work lives. And so just like Kofi can't go to that level that a Becky Lynch would be because he knows in the history of society, that doesn't end well for him because he's going to either get fired or arrested or whatever. And so Kofi, you know, having this pained look on his face and, you know, talking about, I, I missed all these, I've never had a, a, a trick or treat with my son. It's like, th- this guy's good and he gets it. And again, if you don't have any of that context, any of that subtext, any of that backstory to go along with it, you can enjoy the story of a dude that's been here 11 years and he's finally getting a shot. But again, I think if, if, if you're somebody, particularly people of color, who have had to kind of deal with some of this stuff in real life, it, it, it hits a little bit harder. So let me go a step further here, Nate, that, you know, it's interesting. We just watched uh, here in Canada this week, the the Kenny Omega documentary. And one of the people interviewed for that is a woman by the name of uh, Rachel Giuliani, who identifies as bisexual and stating that the fact that this Golden Lovers storyline connected with her so much was that it was something that she was able to see herself represented in pro wrestling storytelling and that everyone looks to have their their selves represented in some form or fashion in an area of entertainment. I am very curious from from your perspective, like how you feel a you are represented within specifically to the WWE's storytelling. And if it is something where they have missed the mark, uh, their history, I think, would give you a lot of uh, a long list of missing the mark and not giving the most favorable representation. And is this such a contrast to that? that This is something that you feel they are identifying Mm. representation matters like there's a reason black panther was a big hit there's a reason crazy rich asians resonated in a way that other movies haven't you know it's because you're servicing people that have been underserved by their entertainment and so when it comes to wrestling like i love wrestling i'm you know i've been a fan forever and i'll probably be a fan until i'm no longer on this earth but that being said watching the wwe in particular over the years has been a mixed bag at best, you know, because on the one hand, you can have a great story that they're telling right now with Kofi, but this is also the same company that gave us Brodus Clay, a guy who came out on a WrestleMania and danced with a group of women that were depicted, you know, as as mammies, as a as a racial stereotype. Uh, I think he had a promo on Raw one night where he was like, "I was born to shuck and jive," and as a as a wrestling fan, that that pisses me off 
not enough to not watch because it's you know it's it's a habit now it's it's what i do but when you see stuff like that or you see stuff like uh the mexicals coming out on on john deers right uh and things of that nature, the the Crime terrible portrayal of Asian workers over the years uh, in the company. It's like, ah, I just don't think they have people in the writer's room that can see from a different perspective and can maybe pitch Vince different ideas from a different uh, reality that he might not have grown up with. Uh, so to get back to your original question before I go too far on a tangent, John, it's frustrating at times because the talent's there, you know, the, the excuse that there's no talented people of color, you can't use that anymore. In a company where you got Ricochet, you got The New Day, in a company where, where Keith Lee is employed, you can't use the excuse that, oh, we don't have any black people of, of, of uh, uh, a certain level of talent, you know, Naomi, you know, but the thing is, now that you've got these talented people, are you going to be able to craft stories that can reflect their talents? Because here's the secret, and I think Alex Greenfield knew this, you know, back when he was writing for SmackDown. One of the reasons he had one of my favorite runs on SmackDown, if you give, you know, fans of color something that they can sink their teeth into, nine times out of ten, you're not going to turn away white fans. And you're also going to you know, make your pockets bigger. Because at the end of the day, that's the color Vince cares about the most is green. So I, I don't see why you would alienate a percentage of your audience, a percentage of your consumer base by not giving them stories that, you know, might appeal to them. And when you see some of those examples, Nate, over the years and following it as long and as deeply as you have, like, can you draw a distinction as well between portrayals that you feel are uh, you know, prejudice versus just ignorance and maybe not knowing any better that this is something that maybe not even understanding like the weight that some of these portrayals have on a portion of their audience. Yeah, that's another good question. And to, to Vince McMahon, like, cause I know people might misconstrue what I'm saying, you know, that Vince McMahon is, is racist or out of touch or whatever. I don't think that at all. I, I do think, however, that there is an ignorance. There is a blind spot because he has not, A, had to experience this stuff firsthand, and B, I don't know how many friends Vince McMahon has that are of, of different races. Uh, and so when you have stereotypes and, and caricatures in your mind, that's what's going to come across in your art. And so I and, think— And that goes across—sorry to interrupt, Nate, like lots of their characters that they, they cast this wide net— in mm. at, in an attempt to grab as many people as possible and you get you rely on a lot of of stereotypes and that people are going to associate with in their mind i'm not saying that that's right but that it, you know goes to a lot of the characters that you see that they are these large cartoon characters that sometimes rely on some very outdated uh stereotypes and sometimes you cross a line with those stereotypes absolutely and we've seen many yeah, of those like, examples. Even somebody like a John Cena. Like, John Cena started off as a stereotype. You know, the Doctor of Thugonomics. Uh, but that wasn't all John Cena had to offer. And so the question becomes, when you get these performers, okay, if you want to start start them off in a gimmick that's stereotypical, okay, fine, I guess. But are you going to allow these people to grow? And, you know, Or are they going to be stuck in a position like a crime time? Are they going to be stuck in a position... Uh, you know, I, I hate to say it because I, I think the guy works hard and I think he's extremely entertaining. But are you going to be stuck in that R-Truth position where you're the shuck and jive guy? Uh, so, you know, somebody like a King Booker, I think that's a gimmick that worked 
mainly because of Booker T rather than anything they gave him to to do. So I think the biggest thing that would help them with this, and, and it's not got to be, it's, it doesn't have to be this thing where, oh, we need only black people to be represented positively or women can only be represented in a positive light because that's not reality. Uh, the, the question is, are your writers, are your creators, are your bookers, are your agents, are you putting people that are diverse in those positions? Because if not, you're going to get more of the same. And it's not that the writers are racist or the writers are prejudiced. It's that they don't have experience. And the more experience you can bring to that table, the more experience you can bring to that room, I think the better your product will become. From what I've I've kind of seen in terms of like you know when whenever they have kind of tried to try to promote, um you know, whatever uh you know, uh, growth in in terms of uh I guess I guess more um you know representation it's it's come with uh a dollar amount attached to it like you mentioned Nate it, they I think the only color Vince sees is green so um I think whether or not this Kofi Kingston uh storyline will be replicated in the future and continuing in the future I think will largely be, depend on how much money it's going to make Vince McMahon. How how do you think ultimately this will fare? And how can, you know, if I'm a uh, member of the audience who wants to see more of this, how can I show my support for it? I mean, the way you can show support or opposition is always with your wallet. And that's the hardest thing in the world for wrestling fans. Uh, you know, we, we kind of talked about this around the time of Crown Jewel. Like, yes, people are upset. People are rightfully outraged at this business transaction. But are they going to stop watching the WWE? No. Are they going to cancel their subscription to the network? Probably not. Uh, So obviously, you know, with your wallet is one way you can vote. But the other way that you can kind of vote and have your voice heard is with what the audience is doing now. Like, I think if Kofi had that big pop uh, before Elimination Chamber and that was it and it dissipated, we wouldn't we wouldn't be on this road. They probably would have gone with Kevin Owens. Right. But I think because people have responded and reacted to Kofi both online and in the arenas, I think that's why they decided to go this route. Uh, it'll be interesting, though, at WrestleMania to see if they go the full way and pull the trigger and put the belt on him, because uh, I still have my doubts about that. Uh, but Listen, it'll, my, it'll be interesting to see. I, I if, think you have completely justified doubts. I don't see how you can't do it, but. That it, it, that would be ignoring history in terms of. I would have of, said the uh, same uh, thing about Booker T and Triple H. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. WrestleMania nineteen in two thousand and three. Um, yeah, it was the exact same scenario where it just for that build up and to have uh, Booker T not get the the big victory at the end of it. Um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm curious very much, to kind of your expectations of how this ends at WrestleMania and as well. I think their their idea that if they're they're going to continue this story beyond WrestleMania, that it's it's a bigger win down the road. But I think the time to do it is WrestleMania. Yeah, obviously, I don't think Kofi is going to be as hot as he will be in that building on that night. I think you've got to pull the trigger. And in terms of his run after that, like, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. Is this something that's sustainable? Is this something that you know will be? passe in a month or is it something that the fans generally want to see what they could do putting this guy in this position you know i 
in a best world perfect scenario, I think Kofi wins, and I think you give him a, a decent run. Like he doesn't have to have you know that that record setting CM Punk type of run or a Hogan type of run, but I think you you know see what the guy can do, allow him to to run with the ball. Uh, but I don't know, man. Like I, I still have my my misgivings. Uh, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Uh, or the other way around. I'm turning into George Bush right now. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I've, I have been impressed though with with the way people have responded to Kofi because two months ago this reaction isn't there, mm-hmm. but people seem to be kind of genuinely behind the guy, and I hope it pays off for him. I wanted to ask you, Nate, like, you know, amongst uh, other other wrestling fans, uh, you know, um, in the African-American community, is this resonating more with them than than your typical storyline? Uh, how much do you think outside of our, our typical bubble this will reach? I definitely think so. And again, my perspective might be a little bit skewed because now we're talking about a bubble within a bubble. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the but the overwhelming feel I get from uh, black wrestling fans is this is a big deal. You know, other than The Rock, we have not seen a black WWF slash WWE champion. And this, like, the the support for Kofi is is overwhelming, but also the skepticism is overwhelming as well. Uh, You know, a lot of black wrestling fans do not feel like they'll pull the trigger on Kofi. And so it's, it's something, man, like, I think if they do this, they will receive such love from a portion of their fan base that they've neglected that like there's money to be made here. Like there's money mm-hmm. to be made from this, from this experiment, so to speak. And and so just from a business like, like the new like, day has been a really great merchandise, like, seller for this company like they have proven an ability uh to be uh, amongst their their top merchandise sellers and not pushed as a main event act either yeah so if you take that and you put the rocket on kofi you strap the rocket to his back i think this could be a big thing for them and it's like one of the things i love about the new day i was talking to somebody this past week about Big E, who again i i feel Big E will get his due one of these days hopefully But one of the things I love about the New Day is not only are they good in the ring, not only are they good pro wrestling characters, but they are some of the most marketable people on the roster in terms of, you know, a mainstream act that you can put on Kimmel, that you can put on Fallon, that you can put on the Today Show. Like, I don't know why they don't do more with these guys. Yeah, I mean, when they did that, uh, you know, when they they have the ability to go on and do stuff with Jimmy Fallon that we've seen in the past, I mean, they, to me, are... Just to me, they're well a great. Just these three people are just great ambassadors for this company. I think I think their their current incarnation maybe has some limitations in the form of them being kind of comedic, in the form of mm. them being a tag team. But I wanted to kind of springboard into a different question, Nate. Like the breakup is always talked about with the New Day, and I wanted to get your perspective if this storyline goes according to how you want to see it. When would be a good time to have that breakup occur, if at all? I would never have them break up because I, I believe it was John that made up the, that brought up the point about the Hardys mm-hmm. uh, and how that feud never really kind of reached its potential. Uh, certainly not in the WWE. And and I feel like even though they're not blood related, people love the New Day as a group. And and we you know you can't watch the videos on on on, w, on uh, the WWE YouTube after the show and, or see 
how the New Day reacted at the end of SmackDown this week and not feel something for, you know, these guys as a unit and, and as friends. Uh, will there come a day when you need to split them apart? Yes, absolutely. I've been saying that for a while. I don't know if you need to turn any of them heel to do it, though. Uh, if you were, obviously, I think Big E would be the choice. Uh, but I, like, I, I don't know if I want to see that. I think it could work if, if they have a uh, properly crafted story around it. I think you got to be careful with it, though. Like, if, if it's too hasty, fans are not going to buy it, and you'll probably end up hurting Big E and Xavier in the long run. I feel they've reached that point where they, I don't think the audience wants to see this group uh, feud. I think they want to see them, like, maybe they go off onto uh, different avenues of their careers, yeah. but they are always linked by this group. I think they have reached that level to this audience. I think so. Like, I, I don't want to see, you know, Kofi win on at, at WrestleMania and then the next uh, night on or the Tuesday night on SmackDown, Big E gets jealous. And then, you know, me and Xavier did this for you. What are you going to do for us? Yeah, I, I, it wouldn't feel real. And I think that's part of why the Kofi storyline has worked and connected, guys, is because, yeah, it's, it's a story that somebody wrote, but it has real enough elements to get you invested. And I think if we saw Biggie and Xavier turn on Kofi after all this, I don't know if it would ring true. Uh, my final thing, Nate, is just looking at, you know, historically, I just think pro wrestling and WWE, it's it's a very difficult um, outlet, I think, to tell more complex stories because they have a really bad track record of it. And I don't think, um, I don't think the audience... Uh, trust the company to tell a well thought out kind of nuanced story about, you know, heavy topics like religion and race and diversity that, I mean, this is a company that has really exploited those, those traits in its past. But when, when you look at something like, um, I'm certain you heard the, the interview that, uh, Kazim did with, uh, with a wrestle rap and talking about the segment with, with Booker T where the New Day, they got down on one knee, and that was kind of their nod to what was a much bigger story at the time that was going on on a major national sports story with Colin Kaepernick. And that was something that they just, on their own, were able to work in, and it probably didn't connect with, with many people. But just to see something like that, like giving like a nod to a much larger story that's going out there, can this be um, a program and a company that can go in that direction and showcase these kinds of stories through their characters. It can in small doses. And as a wrestling fan, like I wouldn't want the whole show to be this, you know, I don't think every edition of SmackDown or raw should be breaking bad or the wire. Like it, it doesn't have to be this top flight, deep introspective programming, but I do think there can, there can be storylines within the body of this crazy wrestling show that do get real, that do take a deeper tone and, and a bit more serious tone and, and connect with different parts of the audience that you might not have connected with before. And so like, I, I think the only way, though, that you can sustain this is by diversifying the writer's room and by having the right people. Like, I think the New Day and Kofi Kingston, they were the right guys at the right time to try to tell this story. I don't know if, if you could just throw random black guy number one or, or random uh, Latino dude number one or a random woman here in, in, in plug and play in a storyline. It's got to be the right talent. And the New Day were the right talent. They, they found where they could work the message in 
and it, it didn't hit people over the head. It wasn't off-putting to people. Uh, but for those that understood what they were saying, it makes the story so much better. And I, I have to applaud them on that. All right. Well, Nate, uh, I want to thank you for joining us for an extended period here. This was uh, something we really wanted to discuss with you. And thanks so much for real uh... quick, John. I want to give a quick I want to give a quick PSA to the postmarks out there that are heading to WrestleMania uh, because, you know, I got your back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, You are allowed to wear uh, dreadlock wigs. You are allowed to wear Jamaican tracksuits to celebrate Kofi Kingston. But under no circumstances are you allowed to wear blackface. Oh, geez. (laughs) Well, I don't I don't think that will be. Thanks, Nate. I, I don't, I, think, I don't that... think our I don't think our audience would do that, but maybe they have a friend that would do that, and they can pass this message along to help them out. See, I would love to to see the people that are wearing dreadlocks for uh, in celebration of Kofi Kingston. That'd be great. I is, think I'll I'm, I'm going to start. Do you think that the uh, the dreadlock dynamo is going to stick, Nate? <laughs> oh, that is a. It sounds like the worst late '90s Marvel character. Like that was invented for diversity. Like the dreadlock dynamo and Spider-Man team up on this week's adventure, folks. But no, they they're gonna make some money selling dreadlock wigs. Somebody is, if not the company, uh, the the bootleg guy out front of uh, out in front of the stadium. Well, Nate, with uh, with spring training over, uh, Marcus is actually gonna be at our live show next week. I have uh, I have heard through sources that may or may not be Marcus himself, uh, but. <laughs> What is coming up? Uh, what is on the latest uh, Kings of Sport? And tell our listeners uh, where they can follow you fine folks on Patreon. Yes, thank you, sir. Uh, the latest edition of the Kings of Sport, which uh, came out on Monday, uh, featured myself, Marcus Vandenberg, and the professor, Chris from L.A., uh, talking about the NCAA tournament. We talked about the sad state of the Los Angeles Lakers. And then we got into... Uh, conversation that we just had talking about Kofi Kingston and WrestleMania and race in relation to wrestling. Uh, so that's up right now uh, at kingsofsport.com. You can also check out the Patreon, like John mentioned, which uh, has the audio version of the Kings of Sport, the video version of the Kings of Sport, as well as uh, the 20 Twin Twin, which is a political show uh, from Chris from LA. So uh, there's a lot there at the Kings of Sport. Uh, and then, of course, you can hear me talking about, to this point, the only black WWE champion, The Rock, on the Rocky Maivia Picture Show here on Post Wrestling. Patreon.com slash the Kings of Sport. Nate, it's always great when we get to catch up with you and look forward to the next Rocky Maivia Picture Show. Uh, that drops the third Saturday of each month and uh, some great ones already. And am I still penciled in for the Tooth Fairy? As of now, you are the only person who has volunteered. So, yes, your your position in the line is secure, John. I didn't know how long of a lineup it was going to be for the Tooth Fairy, <laughs> but that was the one I was jumping on to, Nate. So I will I will make myself self available once you get to uh, January 2008 in Dwayne Johnson's uh, filmography. You, you're our Kofi Kingston, John. You know, we, we're holding you back from the show, but... One of these days, we're going we're gonna to put the rocket on you. I can't wait. I'll, I'll be ready. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nate, for joining us. And uh, you have a, uh, a great rest of the, the week, and I hope you survive WrestleMania. Hey, thank you for having me, fellas. I appreciate it. Way welcome back. And uh, you guys get some rest. You got, you got some uh, busy weeks ahead of you. It, it's it's going to be daunting. Thank you very much, Thanks, Nate. Nate. All right. We're going to go quickly right now to a uh, – are we going to go to a phone call? No, we are not. Um, anyway. Always great to chat with Nate. Uh, we may have our phone call here. 
Yeah, our phone lines are open right now, 1732-800-4423, or post wrestling on Skype toll-free. So uh, call in if you have any thoughts on, on this very interesting uh, conversation. And who is on the line right now? MJ from NJ, waiting for you in New York City. Oh, wow. Very clever. We'll be there soon, MJ. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Can't wait to have you guys in the city. Can't wait for next week. And uh, hey, uh, congratulations! Uh, yeah. Serious question: Should I should I bring a jacket? Like, what? What? How should people uh, prepare to pack for New Jersey? Bundle up. Yeah. Bundle up. I'm outside right now, steps away from the Hunter Hearst Helmsley Building, and it is uh, quite brisk. Uh, I would think that it's going to be pretty cold come seven o'clock next Sunday night. Going to be probably around forty-five, feel like thirty-five. Ooh. Yeah, that's, that stadium, damn. That's from our meteorologist, MJ, <laughs> in NJ. It's 52 today in New York, everyone. Well, it doesn't feel 52. But anyway, congratulations on uh, the, the Kenny Omega interview. I imagine that was quite a good get for you guys, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, oh, made me very proud to be a postmark. Yeah, thanks very much for checking that out. We, we do appreciate it. Uh, what else did you want to chat about, so MJ? Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, just on next week and kind of previewing the week that will be. Um, I don't know if anyone is keeping tabs on New Japan tickets for the Garden. I have two that I am happily willing to give away to any postmark who might be listening. Uh, if you guys know anybody in need of tickets. But that show is uh, incredibly overbought, and you can pretty much sit anywhere on the lower level of the Garden for 80 bucks. Well, what's, which is quite below face value. What's your Twitter handle, MJ? Um, my Twitter hand, uh, that's a very good question. Or are you, you know what, um, you know what, go to the message board and find MJ yes. and you can work it out. Me and Way are tapped out on contests. So we're, we're on contest freeze at the moment, but if you want to, uh, go harass MJ at forum.postwrestling.com and you want to go to the Madison square garden show, he may be your hookup. Holla. Yeah, I got, I got very good tickets and just want to share them with people that are interested in seeing the show. I'm very excited for that show. Uh, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, in terms of ticket availability, the NXT show, extremely hard ticket to get. So yes. just from like a on the ground in New York right now, that ticket is something that like nobody seems to be wanting to part with. Uh, that feels like the most anticipated show of the week next week uh, in terms of the big ones, the big three, that is. Uh, and ironically enough, it feels like WrestleMania, uh, maybe based on the length or the fact that it's Sunday is kind of the least anticipated uh, in terms of people looking to go live. At least that's kind of my circle of people that I talk to and, uh, and who I'm looking to go with and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, so just kind of hmm. that was my main thoughts was, like, on what the, the vibe right now in New York feels like. Um, definitely cold. Definitely going to be a long show Sunday. Uh, I think that... What's your match of the, of the weekend, MJ? What's, yeah. what's the most anticipated match for you that weekend that you want to see? Probably, well, so it's entrances, right? I'm really excited to see entrances. I can't wait to see Okada in the garden. I can't wait to see uh, Ronda Rousey come out to Joan Jett and Hunter have an entrance at Mania. Like, I've never seen that live, so that's exciting for me, and that's really what I'm looking forward to, like, the experience of all of it. In terms of matches themselves, it's probably NXT and New Japan. Um, the stuff on the Mania card, like, I did the math, and if you have a four-and-a-half-hour main show based on the amount of matches that I think will be on the main show... You're looking at between 20 and 25 minutes with entrances. So that doesn't leave like a lot of time for some great in-ring. And now I'm not saying we won't get great in-ring, but it feels like they're cramming a real lot onto that card. So I'm really curious as to how they pull that off and how that show kind of flows over the course of four and a half to five hours. 
I'll be really surprised if this show is over by 1130 that night. I could easily oh, see yeah, this surpassing midnight. Yeah, that's based on, I mean, the math I did was based on 7 o'clock start to 11.30, so I agree with you. Like, if that show's over by midnight, that's going to be a welcome surprise for me. Um, I think in terms of the big three matches, right, Kofi and Brian, Brock and Seth, and uh, the the women's three-way, so you have three situations where I think the crowd is really going to want to see three happy endings, and I don't expect WWE to give us three happy endings. The one that I think is the least likely to occur is actually Becky walking out of MetLife with the title. I hmm. think that they're probably going to screw her. I think the story sets up for that where she doesn't get pinned. You have Charlotte get the win over Ronda, and you kind of have a situation where if Ronda's leaving, you have Becky and Charlotte still going at a feud with Becky's claim that like the man never got beat um, and Charlotte never belonged in the match in the first place. Because I do think Kofi winning, it doesn't hurt Brian. Brian's run right now as a heel has been so great. He doesn't need the title, and I think you really do cement Kofi. You open up options for the New Day stuff, as you and Nate so greatly talked about. And then, I don't know, is Brock staying? Is Brock going? I always have the theory that you bet Brock Lesnar because he's Brock Lesnar, and if Vince has the chance to keep him, he's going to, and that probably means the title. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's setting up for very interesting uh, outcomes in terms of what direction they choose to go in outside, you know, coming out of Mania. All right. Well, thanks a lot for the call, MJ. We look forward to, uh, to seeing you down there next week, and uh, thanks for the, uh, the update, especially on the, uh, the ticket stuff. It'll be great. Looking forward to it, guys. Thank thanks, you, MJ. MJ. Yeah, I think, that, uh, I think he's right. When you look at those top three matches, I, w- I would expect uh, that, yeah, you are going to get... Um, yeah, you know, hard for me to not picture Becky Lynch winning the main event, especially in the, the place event. that it's in. Uh, let's keep it going here with the calls. Who is this on the line? Hansy from Toronto. Hansy from Toronto. What's up, Hansy? Is it Hansy <laughs> or Hansy? Please tell me. Uh, either, you know, either or, man. You call me Hansy, Hansy. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. Oh, we, Got it. We, we just want to want to get it accurate. <laughs> it's all good. I understand. No, I understand, man. Listen, I want to say that, you know, the conversation you guys had with uh, Nate was probably one of the best conversations amongst, you know, like a, wrestling, a wrestling podcast that talks about, like, you know, you know how race and uh, sexual orientation has kind of played negative stereotypes. And as someone who, you know, I, I would look at myself as like a minority who like, I used to go, oh, it doesn't really matter, man. Everything's a stereotype. Who gives a crap? Whatever. And over the last couple of years, like, I really found the importance of representation mattering. You know, like, I was one of these guys that when the Muhammad Hassan, Muhammad Hassan thing was happening, a lot of my brown friends, they really dug the character because he was speaking some truths about, like, even though he was a heel, you know what I mean? Everyone was treating him like crap. Like, I still look at him like a baby face because he was like, you know, at the time, you know, everyone hated Muslims for, you know, 9-11. And this guy was, you know, even though he wasn't a brown guy, he was an Italian guy. But I felt like the representation of his voice, it, 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 mattered, it mattered to me. And then when they went down to that terrorist angle, I remember, like, just watching it with my friends, and they were really pissed off. Like, this was, like, one of the first times I sent, like, an email to the, to the company. And it wasn't, like, a hateful email. It was, like, oh, I was disappointed with what you guys did. Like, it, it, it really, Don't like— Don't be honest, you know, Hansi, you were not that polite. 
No, I, I, I was, I was actually um, polite. I, I didn't want to off- offend them still, but like I, I was still like really, really angry about it. But I remember like it caused like a, a, an argument breaking out with like some of my white friends and some of my brown friends about like this is some stupid stereotype, whatever. But like I'm glad that you know I'm not, a, I'm not a black person, obviously, but I, as, a, as, a, as a supporter of Kofi Kingston, like I always thought he should have got pushed. Back in 2009, 2010, this has probably been like one of like the greatest storylines that have played out with my emotions of like, getting upset and you know the racial undertones. And I think you can do like like people always want heel heat, right? People, oh, we, we need good heels. You can't be a heel anymore. But the thing is, is like, how can you have good heels when you don't have good baby faces that make it like that? You know, if you had a gay person. Like cutting a promo, making it seem cool, that like like and putting putting down all like you know the stereotypes and all like the uh, you know the like the judgment from all these other like conservative leaning type people. I, I I think you can do that, but like again, like would I trust WWE to tell these stories? Probably like not as much, but like I could um expect AEW maybe to tell these stories, maybe New Japan, maybe ROH, you know. And I, I just think it's like, I think it's long time due. Like you can have characters that call out systemic racism or, you know, just like uh, systemic, you know, how minorities are treated. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's, it's always, you know, this, this struggle in terms of being able to tell, you know, um, more sophisticated stories, but I think that in turn, you have to be able to show your audience that you are treating these subjects with the kind of care that they expect them to be told in such a way that are thought-provoking, that are uh, deeply thought out, and not simply just for the shock value of presenting something to to an audience that is just going to elicit um, a negative reaction that typically it doesn't fall on the performer. It falls on the company trying to do something cheap and underhanded. And that's kind of the their own history that has led the audience, I feel, to not have that confidence. They can tell stories in such a way uh, like that. And not to say that that can't change, but it's I feel the audience is kind of in the opinion of, well, we're going to wait and see what they are going to present to us before we give them the benefit of the doubt because they haven't earned that benefit. No, I, I hear what you're saying, man. I, I, I just like I, I'm just I'm just glad the storyline happened because I feel like it's opened up more conversation amongst a lot of wrestling podcasts to talk about it. And I, 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 I mean, I know like you guys are used to compliments and all that, you know what I mean? But I, I mean, like, I, I really dug the conversation that you guys had with Nate. Like, it, this is probably one of the better conversations I've heard a wrestling podcast talk about this, about these topics. Yeah, I, 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 I don't really get that from a lot of like you know the U.S. type of, uh, I guess because you know in Canada we're like more we're more I guess because it's more multicultural, so we are more open to talking about that. Like, I, I see a lot of other podcast or something like that, like kind of dismissing it. Not to call anyone out or anything, but I'm glad that you guys had this conversation with Nate and just had it open in general, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, Pollock, uh, congratulations on the Kenny Omega get, man. That was a really good interview. And uh, I'll, just, I'll, I'll let you guys go now. I, I don't want to take too much of your time. So thank you for letting me you know, talk about this stuff. Uh, Hansi, we always appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Oh. Uh, so... Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I thought uh, that was a fantastic chat uh, with Nate. I always love chatting with him, and I was glad we got to really go deep into that uh, topic. 
We're just going to keep going here. Sure. Uh, Jake is on the line. Jake, how are you? Hey, guys. How's it going today? Uh, how are you doing this fine afternoon? Uh, we're doing swell. I'm doing great. Doing great. Um, yeah. Um, by the way, Pollock, um, thank, um, really enjoyed the Kenny Omega interview. Um, like everybody else is saying, uh, really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Let's let's um, also let's also thank Way because if that wasn't done on video, I don't think a fraction of people would have checked that interview out. I think the fact that we did a video interview and Way was able to put together that entire setup uh, only it a great interview is great, but I wanted as many people as possible to see it. So. Uh, and way you you, you I amazing, could not have done any uh, of the video stuff on my own. <laughs> it's all good. Way you do amazing videography um, stuff and uh, great graphics as well. So <laughs> I really appreciate the post production stuff. All right, um, I do want to talk about um, uh, what's going on next week. Really looking forward to G one um, next week at, at uh, Madison Square Garden. Are you going? Uh, uh, unfortunately you not. Watching? Yeah. Unfortunately not. I'm I'm saving money for uh, Vegas uh, for uh, in May, so I'm just gonna stay at home uh, watching uh, the stuff, at, uh, um, all the events at home. But yeah, really looking forward to Ibushi versus Naito. Um, also, Lethal, Skrull, and Taven for the uh, the, the three way ladder match for the world champ for the ROH World Championship. Um, my question about that though is, um, I do believe that Marty Skrull is going to um, come out as the uh, with the victory and we'll ha uh, we'll get the championship um but um do you guys think that uh, ring of honor is going to try to make a concerted effort to keep marty scroll uh with the company or do you think ring of honor doesn't have a chance um a chance in hell for a scroll to you know eventually leave the company and join his friends uh, with the elite no, I, I think that certainly you'll have a better indication of if they put the title on him at at the supercard. I think all things being equal, that would be the direction I would go as well with him. I I certainly believe ROH is going to make um, a solid effort to retain him. Uh, but what we've also seen is that these guys have had an incredibly tight pact amongst one another that I, I, I would have told you I would have been surprised to see a lot of the moves that have been made. And these guys, they have wanted to all stick together. And I feel that Marty Skrull is certainly, uh, you'd be naive to believe that that is not a, a realistic option for him, of course. Um, At the same time, though, I mean, we, we don't know what the AEW television is going to look like. We don't know what AEW is going to look like come January. And I, I mean, if you're Marty Skrull, you have to kind of look at that roster and think, where is my place? on that roster mm -hmm. when you have a guy like a ha hangman page who at this point is still waiting in the wings to to get that top spot so whereas in roh if he's he's already a main eventer one of their if not their most popular star and can do a lot in ring of honor in this in this new image of ring of honor being a focal point of that and AEW is always going to be there um, mm -hmm. so I, I think he's going to look at it very seriously with ring of honor who we've already established ring of honor are making real big offers to guys. Like they are not joking around mm -hmm. with their offers. They can compete with these big time offers. So I, I think Mario Skrull's in a, a really advantageous position, but I think it does add some, uh, interest into the ladder match beyond just the actual match, but the booking of it too. All right, cool, cool. Uh, one more thing guys, before I go, I'm not going to take uh, too much of your time, but, uh, really appreciate and enjoy what you guys are doing with the Marvel with the Marvel reviews. Those are really fun to listen to, um, and I can't wait for you guys to um, talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, come on, you guys reviewing Drax, what can get better than that? 
yeah that's next on the uh, the agenda in april so yeah looking, looking forward, forward to that one yeah um, yeah so um my, my question regarding that is um uh, as you guys probably know, the Walt Disney Company has completed its acquisition with 20th Century Fox, and now we got, because of that, we finally got um, Fantastic Four and X-Men back under the same roof uh, with Marvel. Um, uh, I, I just want to ask Way, uh, do you think X-Men and Fantastic Four will be rebooted, and do you think that will become part of the MCU for Phase 4, in your opinion? I don't know if if they'll be uh, something that they'll be doing immediately for Phase Four. It seems like they might have already uh, already have a, a lot of other plans in place, probably for Phase Four. Um, but for sure, they will be rebooted. Um, from what I've heard last, it's that they might be keeping everybody, or they might be re- recasting almost everybody and everything, with perhaps the exception of Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, which I I think is awesome. To me, honestly, like at this point, he's the best part of that Fox universe anyway. Um, I don't think you can bring back, you know, Fassbender or McAvoy as much as I like them uh, as, as Magneto and Xavier without bringing a whole lot of baggage um, with that whole, whole, all the, all, all those timelines. And just uh, to me, it, it, I, I want to see a reboot. I want to see Kevin Feige's take on the proper X-Men story, the proper Fantastic Four story. Yeah. But, but I feel like, you know, especially with the Fantastic Four, we're like, we're still not that far removed from like Fan Four Stick and like, uh, you know, all, like the terrible iterations of Fantastic Four. That I feel like, even if you wanted to wait six years, five years, even ten years, I don't think that's such a bad thing. You know, that's something Marvel can make, can, Disney can can bank on maybe ten years from now to to generate them a whole lot more money. Whereas just throwing them out there right now. I don't think they have to do it. So if anything, I think you will get hints. Maybe you will get subtle clues of like their existence in the MCU in phase four, but I don't fully anticipate maybe movies entirely. Maybe it not even until phase five. Okay, cool. Cool. And uh, just finally, um, speaking of Disney, you just mentioned Disney. Uh, if I'm becoming too political here, please forgive me, but do you like uh, where Disney is positioned right now with having so much control over so many stuff in the uh, in Hollywood right now uh, with Star Wars, ABC, uh, obviously Marvel as well? Uh, personally, uh, it kind, kind of gives me a concern about, uh, you know, creativity and originality and um, place, of, you know, where filmmaking is. So, uh, yeah. Do you think do you think it's a, a, a there are pros and cons to that? Disney having so many so much control of stuff. I think if I think the cons are mainly for your audience. I mean, you're right. There there are pros and cons. I personally like the 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 more uh, concentrated control. I think is is never good for the consumer. But the especially, the trade off, especially if that um, conglomerate owns media outlets. Yeah, I guess the trade-off though, if you are a fan of these different universes that now you can get these crossover movies, that, that is a benefit to you. Um, a bit of a parallel to uh, the UFC. It's, it's not in the best fighter's interest that the UFC controls so much of the market, but for a fan, you get to see the top fighters fight one another. You don't have 85 different leagues and, and different title belts that you're, you're dealing with and stuff like that. So yeah, there is, um, there's pros and cons if you are just strictly a consumer at the moment, it doesn't seem to be much of an issue. If anything, it's been a benefit, you know, having, uh, maybe, uh, just 
quality. Like I, I feel all the MCU movies have been quality thus far. I think you know Star Wars films. Uh, it's somewhat more debatable uh, from fans whether or not they it, it's been positive. But I feel like even like if you're the most critical Star Wars fan, you're probably grateful that you're getting at least new Star Wars movies and that you're getting them at least once a year. I think that's that's been a great thing. Um, to me, it hasn't been a problem yet. I've actually kind of appreciated it, but certainly, you know, artistically, I I do have concerns like 30 years down the road with with any type of monopoly. Uh, We have to get going. But before we end up. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Jake. Thanks, Jake. We appreciate that. I thought we had actually lost Jake there. Um, Do you want to do the unboxing still before we wrap up? Yeah. Before we get going here, a very exciting time here in the uh, post office as we've just received a whole lot of our merch for our ice cap tier and before we get going i just wanted to kind of showcase some of it here in particular an unboxing of uh something i'm very excited about that i haven't even seen yet so uh let's just kind of start off here if you're an ice cap patron of our patreon below post wrestling cafe uh and that's uh ice cap tier is about 25 dollars and above a month that includes access to uh double double uh um uh one milk one sugar so basically everything but on top of that we send you physical stuff so so uh just like last year we'll be sending out uh postcards uh with a personal message from john and myself but this year we're sending new postcards these ones coming from our friend robert brocky who had these designed and sent to us so we'll be signing all of them with with little messages and we'll be sending them all out would you mind just moving that away john we got some brand new stickers vinyl stickers that are very popular if you're not a member of uh, uh ice cap We'll also send these to you uh, if you order a combo pack from uh, the Post Wrestling store. And if you see us down in um, uh, uh, New York, we'll be handing out a bunch of these out. But if you are a Nice Cap member, you get an exclusive sticker. Ooh. Our Post Wrestling Cafe. Completely original, always fresh stickers. Completely original design. That looks fantastic. Wait, how did you come up with such a design? Shit, I don't know. It's amazing. Sticking with our theme... This year, we have brand new post-wrestling coasters. These are rubberized coasters that uh, we had made. Originally, I was going to make them in, in, in paper, but I, I I mean, come on. Like, who wants to... Like, let's. we want people to keep these for life, and I love these. I love these coasters. I use them all the time. They're my coasters. They look just like like the icon on the, on the iOS app, like if you save our website to to the desktop so that's that's what i love most about those so we'll be sending one of those into every ice cap package at, at the moment that's the only way to get them and we also have whoa sleeves sleeves post wrestling coffee sleeves which i tried out on a video did they did they work did they help you yeah i got chastised some for not great, using the sleeve after i put it on some great acting yeah and maybe some continuity issues but post wrestling coffee sleeves again uh, uh the only way to get them right now is through that, that's worth the sign up right there it's through the ice cap but you're telling yeah. me there's more there's more john what yeah because uh very popular last year in our ice cap packages of course was the limited edition enamel pin and i'm very happy to announce that we have a brand new enamel pin to give to members this year it is the rewind away enamel pin i'm so excited about these like uh the company that i I, hold it up a little bit longer john the company that uh we're we're doing these through is um lapel yeah and they do such great jobs um i have a lot of fun just designing them and and picking like proper colors 
this one was a little bit challenging because it's a gradient and these are kind of difficult to to make in in like kind of like five colors but um way gave them health they were like you figure out a way <laughs> well no i mean I, i've seen I, I i did my research looking at other pin designs and i was really happy with this result so uh only about 100 of these made so um please uh go come and get them finally john the big reveal what let's clear this clear this stuff out you almost called all our merchandise shit oh dear What's in what's in this box, way? One last reveal. Oh, we should probably shouldn't show the address. Oops. That'd be bad. But uh yeah, one last reveal, of course, and this is the top secret audio cassette that we will be revealing. Uh what? Yeah, I guess at this point it won't be much of a secret, will it? No, but I, I think we should uh I think we should let people yeah. know. This is the audio cassette that uh I think on some random podcast, we talked about the idea of recording a secret show on a podcast that people could only listen to via audio cassette. Yes. And uh, this is like we, we went and we did our comedy special. Yeah, something like that. So we're about to check out the audio cassettes for the first time. Very well packaged. Could be drugs in here. Okay, let's let's remove that box. Okay, we got one. Yeah, just one box. Okay. Let's let's take them out for the very first time. Introducing this year's ice cap special. These look awesome. Lower John and closer to the camera. This is the post wrestling time capsule for 2018. Our very first year. It's a two a uh, hundred ninety minute or sorry hundred. What is it? It's an hour and a half, hour and a half show that that John and I did, um, and it's our very first audio cassette. This is amazing. This looks amazing, okay, so, dude. So this looks like uh. So yeah, uh, this was just a little uh label that that we made, but on the inside, a green cassette, wow. a green tape, green tape with uh. Because it was year one, it, we were very green. <laughs> exactly our very first year and on the inside this is amazing an audio cassette uh wow i'm so happy with the way these turned out a brand new custom label just uh spelt my name us. right this is amazing well i handled all this myself so of oh, course i know way would take care of my last name anyway so um we won't uh i mean the show itself is uh exclusive to this audio cassette only so if you don't have a yes. player you're gonna have to find a way to listen to it yeah it's, it is year one, and I will say I think it's the most in-depth we have ever spoken about um, uh, pretty much everything to do with post-wrestling. Yeah. So I was very happy with this show that we did. And for those that are Ice Cap members and Espresso members, you will be receiving these. I'm so happy with, with how they this They look fantastic, out. dude. You did a fantastic oh, job Oh, thank with you these. so much. They're great. At the moment, we only have about 100, 100 of these pressed. So uh, again, uh, limited edition. We probably have about like 70 already spoken for with all the all the members that are already getting them. I'm going to be sent... I apologize for some of the delays. We have to wait to all this uh, for all this stuff to come in, but I'll be sending these out very shortly. So uh, if you want to sign up, it's uh, $25 a month, and we ask for a minimum of four months uh, of pledging. So this is just a way of thanking people who are extremely generous with uh, their pledges at the Post Wrestling Cafe. So uh, if you want to sign up, just uh, do that right now. Patreon.com slash Post Wrestling. All right. And I think that's going to wrap up the show. Uh, we were a little late starting, but we pumped out the hour here. 
We will be back on Friday, new Rewind Away for patrons, with a review of two episodes of The Simpsons, one episode from Season 8, one from Season 24, and Jay Hunter from OSW Review will be on with us for a good portion of that show. That's up on Friday. I'll also have a chat with Mike Bond from MMA Junkie, who is in Philadelphia for Saturday's Fight Night card, uh, with Edson Barbosa taking on Justin Gaethje. WH Park is with me on Saturday for our monthly uh, post-Pro-Res. Pro-Res? I'm working on it, Way Pro-Res. Pro-Res. And... That's the week. Very exciting. And uh, I've decided I'm going to take my vacation next week. I'm going to uh, Monday to <laughs> Monday to Monday. I'm off. <laughs> Very busy week starting Monday. Uh, Way and I will be off to New Jersey. Well, slash New York next Thursday. So lots of bonus shows coming your way. Uh, if you are listening to this free at our YouTube channel, do check out the Kenny Omega interview and you can uh, subscribe. Postwrestlingcafe.com. Best time of the year to sign up. That is it. And we are off the air. These are awesome, man. Oh, man. These are really so happy. awesome. Really happy with the way they turned out. Uh, did you design this? Yeah. Yeah, I did all this. Great. Pauline actually helped with the, with the, with the she drew logo. That's it's so awesome. awesome, man. No, honestly, like for me, it's like part of the fun of doing all this. Like, is, is creating the merch. And...